Hey guys, it's awesome, awesome, awesome to be here. My very first time to speak before you guys, so hey, like Jason said, I'm Matt. I'm, I'm still from the south, but just not quite this far south, you know? Arkansas, God's country. If you make it up there every once in a while, you'll be blessed. Hey, so uh, like, like Pastor Jason said, brother over there, um, my wife and I, Andrea, uh, we live in Mozambique, uh, Africa, and we've lived there for the past about 10 years. Uh, and before I introduce you to my family and stuff, I just want to tell a little bit about my story because I was like many of you sitting in these chairs just trying to figure out life, trying to figure out who God was. But I found something incredible at UCA, University of Central Arkansas. I found a band of brothers, a community that led me to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and it absolutely changed my life and I never looked back. I'm addicted to it, you know, so I just kept doing it for the rest of my life. And here we are, we've been, we've been doing this for, you know, over 13 or 14 years. And, and it's just incredible. Don't we serve a good God? Isn't Jesus awesome? How he, can, how he can take us out of like such brokenness and put our pieces together and give us purpose and give us a future. Wasn't worship awesome? Wasn't that awesome? Y'all know when we worship, we're not just playing games. We're actually doing something. Do y'all know that? Dude, God is so good. Jesus is so real. Do you believe that? He's so real. We, uh, just a couple of months ago, we were worshiping in a time like this with some of our alumni who had graduated. And we get together with them about once a month, and we encourage them to affect the marketplace, whether they're lawyers or doctors or politicians or whatever. And we were in one of these times, and we were worshiping, and the presence of God was so thick, you could just reach out and touch it. And, and uh, we were just enjoying and having a good time with Jesus. And then one of our teammates, her name's Vanessa, she's an American who uh, came to train with us in Mozambique and is now... Uh, her and her husband are leading the team of campus ministry in the country of Botswana. So it's pretty cool. We were worshiping, but she had a little baby at the time. And you know, when 8 o'clock rolls around, you got to take the baby home. So she had to leave that presence uh, of God. And so as she, was, as she was coming out of her house, she got in her car, put the baby up, and it just started pouring down raining. And uh, when it pours down rain in Mozambique, nobody's on the streets. It was 8 o'clock anyway, so the streets were deserted. And she was driving uh, back to her house. And as she came up to this specific roundabout, right in the middle of the roundabout, she saw this glowing white figure in the middle of the rain with his hands outstretched towards the Lord, just spinning, full of joy. And as she looked at him, disappeared. And immediately the Spirit of God spoke to her and said, what I'm doing in there, I want to bring it on the streets. Amen? And tonight I really felt like God wanted me to share that story to encourage you guys that what he's doing in here, think about it. He wants to flood the campus with his glory. He wants to flood this earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. Isn't that incredible? What a promise that he wants to make Sam Houston so identical to his glory that you can't separate one from the other. And you guys are the open doors to see that happen. Amen? Amen. Cool. So thank you so much for the privilege to get to worship with you guys. You guys are doing awesome stuff. And the, the Lord has changed the world through Huntsville, but it, it, it'll stop if it doesn't continue to change the world through you. Amen? And he has incredible plans. This is just the beginning. Amen? So I want to introduce you to my lovely family. Uh, like I said, I'm married to a beautiful woman. Oh, look at that. Y'all are like, wow, he has four kids? Yeah. That's trabalhando, irmão. And so, like, this is my beautiful family. My beautiful wife I met her at, at, in, in Chi Alpha UCA, guys. So stay involved. This is awesome. We date. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, somebody's receiving that right now. So... So we have four kids. Uh, Cedar is our oldest, Cypress, Acacia, and Olive. They're cute, right? Say, aw. Yes, y'all had the proper response. Thank you. Aw. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Thank you. Thank you in the back. Um, yeah, their names are all trees and no, pine's not on its way. We're done. That's our pet elephant, Ellie. One time I said that for real. That's a dad joke, right? And then after the uh, service, somebody came up to me and was like, how do you really keep an elephant as a pet? And I was like, oh, wow. You must be from Arkansas. They were. Hey, so we've been in Mozambique for about 10 years, like Jason said, and man, God has done some awesome stuff. When we first got to Mozambique, it was wild. It was a new place, very heavy spiritual climate, a lot of spiritual warfare, crazy stuff going on. But the main thing to talk about tonight is that no one was doing campus ministry. And just like you guys know, God wants to change the world through university students. So we began to get our hands dirty and, you know, because nobody had been doing it, there was no bad attitudes. Nobody had preconceived ideas. So they're like, let's go. And so we got started. We started one small group. They multiplied, they multiplied, multiplied. And now, now almost 10 years later, we've been going around over 45 different campuses in five different cities. And in May, we just planted our very first team in the country of Botswana. Our, our big goal and dream is, is by the end of this, we want to see every single African university with a disciple-making movement. Think about what that would do to change the world. So that's where we're going. And so some of you guys, I just feel like God's going to call you to come and join us. Amen? Can I get a testimony? There we go. All right. We really believe that Africa, African university students are going to rise up and we're going to see one of the greatest waves of missionaries going to the ends of the earth that the world has ever seen. And it's not going to be people from the West. It's going to be Africans and us hand in hand going together. Amen? So tonight I want to share with you some of the really cool things that Jesus has taught us over the years in Mozambique. What is Jesus worth to you? Think about that question. So I think most of us immediately respond with the right answer, right? Everything, everything, my whole life. Am I right? I mean, the reality is a lot of us know, and if you don't know, this is good news for you tonight, that he died on the cross to forgive me of my sins so that I can have a relationship with God and have eternal life, eternal life. That's so incredible that, that it's unthinkable. What Jesus did gives us intimate access to the loving center of the universe. He's a perfect father whose every experience is one of unbelievable joy and laughter. As he beholds the sunsets and sunrises on 10 million planets that no one will ever see. Have you ever thought about that? And Jesus says this. He says, look, I want to share that kind of life with you. That abundant full, anxiety-free, flourishing life. And here's the coolest part is that it's eternal. That means that it's never ending. Like you, 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 you will never ever cease to exist. Sam Houston, Texas, the United States, the biggest empires and, and businesses and, and, and institutions of the world will cease to exist, but you will never cease to exist. And you will grow from incredible experience to another surrounded by a perfect community of love forever and ever and ever. That sounds great, right? Like, I think we all want that. He's worth everything. Jesus is so awesome. There's no one to compare to him. No one. But I know your secret. That secret that we try not to talk about. The fact that we know deep, deep down inside that we really, really don't mean it. Jesus isn't worth everything to us. I know you don't mean it because most of the time I'm like you. And I know how I spend my time. I know what gets me excited. I know what puts anticipation and joy in my heart. I know what I really deep down truly love. I mean, come on. I'm a missionary. 
I get paid to, to, you know, love Jesus and tell people about him. And I've come a long way. But when I was in college, I was a train wreck, right? I've gotten a little bit better at this. But, but when I was in college, Jesus wasn't even on the first, second, or third place. He wasn't on the podium of my life. You know, maybe he'd get 30 minutes in the morning or a little bit of time before bed. But that was about it. I mean, he rarely got a thought during the day or even more rarely influenced how I actually interacted with the world around me on a daily basis. You know, I know there's a scale there, but is, is that your experience? I think that our best intentions of following Jesus are being sabotaged. Sabotaged by our own selves, our habits, our desires. We want to love Jesus, but, you know, we just love other stuff more. And we always, this is truth about humanity. You take it to the bank, we always go after what we love. Good grades, secure future, desire for an awesome girlfriend or wife. Amen? Husband? Amen? Oh, yeah! Amen. There we go. There's a, there's a sturdy man in the back there. Stand up, son. Just kidding. Like Jesus says in the parable of the sower, many of our, many of our best intentions are being choked up in the day-to-day of life. And we live distracted and unfruitful for weeks and months and years. And if you're not careful, decades, not growing in our love for God. Do you want that to be your story? So what is the way out? How can we be more fully oriented around the life of Jesus? Because Jesus is worth everything. So... We must organize our lives in such a way as to be able to give him everything. Amen? So how do we do that? If our desire is to give Jesus everything, how do we structure our lives in such a way to do that? If we don't want to stagnate, stagnate or plateau in our love for Jesus, we have to do something. So, so what do we do? You know, that's a question I asked myself a lot when we first got to Mozambique. You know, I'd been a serious Christian for many years. I started following Jesus as a freshman in college um, through Kaiafa, but... But by that point of my life, when I was a full-time missionary, I wasn't seeing my love for Jesus grow in any consistent way throughout the years. So I began to ask the Lord what was missing for me, and He began to show me that specific things like my habits and desires and other loves just kept sabotaging my desire for intimacy with Jesus. Even though many years had passed, deep down, I was still my college self, just loving other stuff more than Jesus. He showed me that while I, I had always, since freshman year in college, believed that Jesus was my Lord and Savior, I hadn't really begun to consistently do the things that would orient my life around Him and His presence. Things that would address the root issue and actually change my habits, which would then change my automatic responses, which would eventually change my foundational desires and my loves. Does that make sense? You know, I think a lot of Christians are like I was. They're disappointed at the lack of peace, power, love in their own lives, especially when they look at the promises of scriptures. I mean, have you ever read what Jesus actually said your life should be like? It's wild what he tells us is available. One of my favorites is in Matthew 7, 17, he says this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. What's he say? A good tree cannot bear what? Bad fruit. It cannot bear bad fruit. That is one of my favorite verses, but it's so incredibly challenging. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that our lives can get so much to the place of being like Jesus that's natural 
easy outflow of our life is to do what Jesus would do in our circumstances every single time. We don't have to wear a WWJD bracelet because it'll just be coming out of us, right? I like WWJD bracelets, but when I wore it, I was like, dang, this thing doesn't work. Every time I look at it, it's too late, right? You know what I'm saying? But Jesus said there's another way possible. It can be easy. It can be natural. And that, to me, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like abundant life. That sounds like eternal life. I want that. I want that. But many of us, you know what? We're not experiencing it. And if you live long enough, you could become, start to become jaded and feel like it's actually impossible, right? But it is possible. So possible. The reality is, is like I was, many of us aren't doing our part. Jesus has done everything he could to initiate this eternal, abundant life thing. But many of us aren't doing our part to access it, to become the type of person who experiences it daily. And we're not alone. That's the cool thing about being a Christian. People have been trying to do this for over 2,000 years so we can learn from their examples, the lessons that they've learned throughout the millennia. And these people that have lived before us, you know, they found some specific practices that are helpful in this attempt to orient our lives around Jesus and then eventually changing our foundational desires and our loves. They're called the spiritual disciplines or the spiritual practices. Have you heard of them? If you heard that phrase, spiritual discipline, raise your hand. Yeah, Sam, that's what I'm talking about. Usually when I ask people that, they're like, what? I've never heard that. This is great. But for you guys who are like, I've never heard that. You have heard of it. You just haven't heard that phrase. They're things like prayer, fasting, study, solitude and silence. There we go. Those are good ones. Confession and study. They're things that we do habitually. That means we do them over and over and over again to grow into the life that Jesus has for us. When we do them, it's pretty cool. Because it's not like when we lift weights and like the, imp, the output I get, you know, is directly linked to the gains I, I gain, you know. Like I know that because my biceps are massive. That's why I have a jacket on so I can hide them. That guy back there, woo! H-A-W-T right there, cool. Um, so, but when we do the spiritual disciplines, it's different. Because when we do them, we, we put our input, but it connects us with a power that's beyond ourselves. And we get exponential results because it, when we do spiritual disciplines, we meet with the grace of God in our own lives, right? And as we do them, they turn us into the type of person that naturally and easily does what Jesus would do. But so often, when we try to be like Jesus, something, comes out, something else comes out in our day, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, you start your day, you have your devotion, you're like, I'm going to be like Jesus today, and then some knucklehead cuts you off. And then the demons come out. And you're like, where did that demon come from? All right, like I said, I'm a professional Christian. People pay me to be a Christian in Mozambique, right? Uh, but I'm still a person, whatever. It's whatever. When I first got to Mozambique, there's one thing that like burned me up. It's called the double turn. Y'all think y'all have bad drivers in some parts of America, but y'all ain't never been to Mozambique. Because if you had, you would experience truly bad driving. I mean, like, we have to tell people to come and work with us that when you're walking down a sidewalk, you got to pay attention. Because one time, a public transport minibus just hopped the curb and almost ran me down on the sidewalk. I was like, excuse me, just walking here. Forget about it. And so, um, yeah, next level, that's what I'm talking about. So the double turn is this. You know what a turning lane is? Of course you do because you're rational people. There is a lane that says turning lane where you get in when you want to turn. But in Africa, people don't want to wait, Mozambique specifically. So if you're in the turning lane, you can wait an hour. But somebody's going to pull up next to you in the lane next to you. And when you turn, they're just going to turn with you. You know, in America, you guys are at least civilized enough to try to cut in front of people to get in the turning lane. They're just like, ah, oh, forget it. 
doesn't matter. So when I first got to Mozambique, it burned me up. I was like, yeah, I would get so mad. Curses on you, whatever. But you know what? The Lord worked on my heart and, you know, I practiced spiritual disciplines and I got over it. And I said, I accept this, this, um, this thing as an opportunity to grow in the Lord and to practice patience. Thank you, Jesus. Bless that person doing the double turn. So I'd wait in line. Double turn people would come and I'd be like, all right, let's turn together. Double turn. Praise the Lord. We're going together. <laughs> but one day I was going to pick up my sweet little five-year-old girl from pre-K. And uh, I was waiting in the line and we're, uh, to, get, to get into school and I was going to make my turn. And I knew people were going to double turn. They do it every day. Big deal. You know, me and the Lord were cool with that. But then I saw this lady. She was three lanes over and she was looking at me. She was about to try a triple turn. And I said, enough is enough, savages. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was getting so mad. And so I was like, if she tries this, I'm, I, have, I have a very large vehicle with a bull bar. It's a land, uh, a Toyota Land Cruiser. I call it the Land Bruiser because it's so big. It's a sweet ride. And it's a diesel. So when I press the gas down, it roars. And I was like, if she tries it, I'm going to scare the mess out of her. And so sure enough, green light, she zooms in front of us. And then she, she gets stuck because of traffic right in front of me, T-bone style. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I squeal out my tires. And, I, and right before I, I'm about to slam her, T-bone her, I see her. She takes both, wheel, both hands off the wheel, looks at me and goes, ah, slam on the brake. And I'm like, sucker, gotcha, tricked you, jinx. And I was like, I'm not going to hit you. And I was, felt so satisfied about myself. Then my face fell. And I said, oh, Lord, what have I done? Because we made eye contact. And when we made eye contact, I recognized those eyes. Because that lady has a sweet little girl in the same pre-K class as my daughter. What was I thinking? Where was she going? Of course she's going to the same place as me. So we pull into the school and park right next to each other. And I was like, oh, Jesus. How do I handle this one? So I'll, I'll show you the details. She wasn't happy about it. But you guys get it. The whole point of the story is that if you just try to be patient and full of love, you'll never do it, right? Our natural reactions will always come out first. You know what I'm talking about? But if we practice the spiritual discipline of prayer and silence before we start our day, like I did with the double turn, giving over everything that will happen that day to the Lord and committing to receiving everything that happens as a gift from God, Man, then we can, anything can happen to us. We can walk into it with Jesus, with peace and patience, and we'll grow. So today I don't have time to talk about all the spiritual disciplines. I really wish I did. These are, these are practices that will absolutely change your life. So they give you handles, you know, on how to grow spiritually. You know, it's kind of like the now I'm saved, now what? This is the now what? Practice the spiritual disciplines. Implement them into your lives. Make an order and a structure to your life so that you can continue to grow in Jesus. So since we can't go through them all, I just want to start at the very top. I'm going to talk about one today. But this one is the most important one to start off with, in my opinion, because it's the one that you can start off practicing today and then spend the rest of your life trying to get right. It's the mother of all spiritual disciplines. It's the one that unlocks the heart and transformative power of all the others. It's called the practice of the presence of God. That's what I'm talking about. I, I feel like there's some Brother Lawrence fans in here. Amen. Yeah. Oh, I was in Paris a couple of months ago, and I was like, I'm going to go to Brother Lawrence's grave and get the anointing. No, I'm just kidding. But I just wanted to see where he lived and worked and whatever, right? And so I took the trek hours on the metro and went to the wrong church. Help me, Jesus. So mad. So this idea and the things we've done to grow in practicing the presence of God, it really has directed more of what we do in Mozambique than any other single idea. It shapes how we do staff meetings. 
worship times, intern meetings, our outreach, evangelism, everything. And we've seen the massive fruit it has produced in us personally and also as a group. So really, this is one of our core convictions. So it's a privilege to get to share a couple of things we've learned about this in Mozambique. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them to John 15. Uh, we're going to talk about the abiding verses. Uh, we'll start in John 15, 4. I'm going to go all the way to verse 8. John 15, 4 to 8. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, which is the best book in the Bible. Matthew? Any, how many, I've met so many Matthews here. How many Matthews? Raise your hand. Oh, bro, we need to make t-shirts. Matthew's the best, except for on the chosen. Why did they make him the cool, strong guy? Anyway, it's all right. I want to be more like Peter. All right, so John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Let's say it again. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Okay. Did you know that God is always available? Always present. He's always with us. The way you can think about it is that His love surrounds us at every moment. It's like we walk through the goodness and presence of God at every single moment. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. It's true. In this verse, Jesus is describing the availability of God and its importance for our lives. He says that our lives are like branches that are connected to a vine. If we stay connected to this vine, we'll receive all the protection, provision, nourishment, guidance to produce much fruit in the kingdom. This fruit is personal and that it shapes the quality of our lives to be more like Jesus, but it's also public in the sense it means just more people coming into the kingdom. So that all sounds great, but how do we abide with Jesus' experience, personal transformation, and see many disciples made? So what does Jesus say? Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. It's really simple, right? All we have to do is abide in him. All we have to do is abide in him. But if we don't, what does it say will be the fruit of our lives? What will we produce? Nothing. Wow, that's pretty wild, isn't it? Jesus is cool. He's like, he like, likes to put things black and white. He doesn't like to say you know, things like, you know, it's going to be difficult. You might struggle. You know, you might need a, you know, a master class to figure it out. No, he says that if you don't abide in me, you'll produce nothing. You'll do nothing that matters for the kingdom of God. So we need to abide. It's an all or nothing thing. And if we'll do it, we'll make God real happy, produce disciples. It's going to be awesome. So abiding means simply that we dwell with Jesus. We live with Jesus. We're actively in Jesus. You know, abide is an older word. You don't even... You don't usually walk around going to say, excuse me, good madam, where do you abide, right? But we do have the word abode, you know, that we use every once in a while. Where's your abode? I guess people say that. I don't know. But it means where you live, right? We all get that. In Africa, we receive a lot of visitors. And when they first get to Mozambique, nobody knows how to wipe their butts. You know what I'm talking about? They don't know anything. They got to be babied into everything. So it's important for them to have a time of acclimatization where they can learn how to survive and thrive in Africa. And how do they learn all the things they need to learn? By abiding, living with us. By abiding and living with us, you know, every day, day in and day out, they're seeing how we live. 
and it's rubbing off on them. They're seeing how we interact with Mozambican and it's Mozambicans and it's rubbing off with them. There's a transmission of like cultural and organizational DNA that happens just by living with us. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this verse in John. He's, he knows that the only way we can experience his abundant life and transformation is to abide in him. So the question then becomes like how much of our lives does Jesus actually want? Is he like a, a teacher that wants to give us some tips on Sunday? And then be like, all right, guys, you guys go enjoy your week. And next Sunday, come on back and let me know how it goes. Is that how much of our lives Jesus wants? Wow. But how many of us interact with him in that way? Well, maybe we're a little bit more enlightened and we feel like Jesus is like a boss that gives us a 30-minute pep talk in the morning. You know, we check in with the boss. He gives us an encouragement. Go out there and love people. And then tomorrow I'll see you again. But I've got more important stuff to do, you know? We all know that that's not right, but so many of us interact with Jesus in that way. That's not how... We should understand abiding. We shouldn't think of abiding as something that we do for a certain amount of time, or abiding time, and then go about the rest of our day doing other stuff. You know what I'm saying? We have stuff to do, like study and work and whatever, so we forget about Jesus. Is that working out for you? Compartmentalizing Jesus into just a quiet time and then forgetting about him throughout your day? Are you hungry for more? I know I'm hungry for more. God wants to be present with us in every moment of every day. So much so that he says if we're not abiding with him, then we can't do anything that matters for the kingdom. So how can we spend more of our lives with Jesus, being with him, living with him, including him into the mundane, average parts of our lives? So throughout, throughout history, Christians have called this practice of learning how to abide continuously and consciously the practice of the presence of God. So the idea is that if God is as present to us as a vine is to a branch, then we have continual access to him. So simply the practice of the presence of God is the act of trying to live consciously, that's important, consciously with Jesus for every moment of every day. You ready to get started? You ready to get started? It's really easy to begin. All you have to do is just recognize that God is intimately present with us. Remember, like scripture said, he's the vine, we're the branches. We're surrounded by him at every moment. We just have to train ourselves to recognize this. And after that, we continue to train our minds to continually remember this over and over and over and over until it becomes the backdrop of our thought life. A pastor who I really like who's wrestled with practice in this, he says, we need to always come back to this question. Are you awake? Are you awake? Are you awake? Not are you awake physically, but are you awake to God's presence and reality in your life? That's a good thing to ask your friend. Turn and ask your friend, are you awake? Are you awake? Are you awake? I hope everyone's awake. Yes, I'm awake. All right, bring it back in. Everybody's awake. Stop talking. Stop talking. That's what he wants from us. That's what he wants for us. The world is trying to lull you to sleep to God's presence. It's trying to distract you away from Jesus. Let's stay awake to what he wants to do in our lives and through us, right? So to help with how to implement this, we want to share with you just a couple of things that we do in Mozambique uh, to grow in practicing the presence of God. We didn't make any of these up, but they are things that we try to do over and over and over again. They've been super helpful to us. Let's wake up. Let's wake up. The first thing that I want to talk about is removing distractions. Say remove distractions. This one is really the prerequisite for being able to successfully practice the presence of God. 
Most of our minds are really cluttered up with stuff that doesn't help us in any way to love and to follow Jesus. We have to remove distractions that will hinder our ability to interact with Jesus all the time. Practice of the presence of God. It's a practice because we have to work at it. I mean, you're not going to just start this today and be like, oh, yeah. That guy up on the stage said I should live continually with Jesus all the time, and I started, and I've been going for two years without any interruptions. It's great. No, absolutely, we have to work at this. That's why it's necessary to start small and then grow. Like I said, when I first got to Mozambique, I wasn't doing this or any of the disciplines very well. I was a missionary. I worked for Jesus, but I was being distracted a lot by the day-to-day stuff of ministry and just living in Africa. I was so caught up in the business and busyness just trying to get my life organized and all that stuff, that I wasn't talking to Jesus throughout the day, asking him what he thought about this or that, asking him what he thought I should do when I went into the store, asking him about how did my conversation with that lady at the market go? Did I show her love or whatever? Or this, this thing that we're trying to do, what do you think about this? But slowly I began to feel more of my days with this, staying awake to God's presence around me and including Jesus into the day-to-day stuff of living. And it began to change so many things, so many things. So what about you? What's distracting you from living with Jesus? Think about it. You know, there's the easy ones that everyone talks about, but everyone talks about them because they are a real problem. Social media, maybe, you know? How much of your life are you wasting scrolling through social media? Maybe it's TV. Is TV distracting you from being close to Jesus? Movies, a relationship. Maybe it's as simple, and I do this, I do this so often, as pulling out your phone to distract yourself whenever you're in a line or you know that you're not immediately going to be able to do what you thought you should do. In the bathroom. You know, the old timers, you should just sit there and think. Sometimes I sit and think, sometimes I just sit. So that was on my Andrea's grandma, over her, her uh, Andrea's grandma's toilet. thought that was awesome. We don't have to sit and think because we got our cell phones. We can play stumble guys. You know what I'm talking about? Lord, help us. Jesus. Because the reality is that at every moment of our lives, we have access to the one who can turn any prison into a palace, any desert into a garden, any situation, no matter how mundane, into a divine encounter. Remember that apart from him, we can do nothing. So if we want to grow in Jesus, we have to be ruthless. Say ruthless. We have to be ruthless in cutting out the things that are distracting us from the presence of God that are lulling us to sleep on Jesus so that we don't wake up and we're like, well, it's Sunday again and I really haven't thought about Jesus throughout this whole week. No, we have so much more that is available to us. So what do we need to cut out? What do you need to cut out? Think about it. Start small, but start cutting out distractions in your life. All right, the next thing after we remove distractions that's helped us is to turn our inner dialogue into a conversation. Turn our inner dialogue into a conversation. After beginning the process of cutting out unnecessary distractions, we start the conversation with Jesus. This is one of the best, most simple, and the, the, the most effective ways to stay awake to the presence of God. Everyone is always talking to themselves in their minds all the time. We think in a stream of consciousness, words and thoughts. They just flow in one after another. What if instead of just talking to ourselves, we turned our monologue into a dialogue? Instead of thinking, what am I doing? What if we thought, and we trained ourselves to think this constantly, all right, Jesus, what are we doing? Instead of thinking, where am I going? What if we thought, where are we going? 
think about this. Instead of thinking, hey, hey, what am I going to buy at this store? What if we thought, Jesus, what do you want me to do at this store? And really listen. Just that one alone would change your life. But then you start getting uncomfortable and be like, I don't really want to go to Walmart anymore because Jesus keeps asking me to talk to people. You know what I'm talking about? Open up your life to an ongoing conversation with God. I know it could be a new idea to some of you, but that's because we have a whole lifetime of private thoughts that we've never tried to include anyone on. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells within you? The Bible is clear that we house the presence of God. So we're not going anywhere alone anyway. So let's just include the guy who's with us in the conversation. Amen? Seriously, who here has ever thought, I have trouble hearing the voice of God. Raise your hand. I thank you for being honest because it should be all of us because we've all thought that. Literally, I want to I give you a challenge. Try it this week. Open up your life and start a conversation with Jesus and you will be shocked at how much he'll say to you. It might be hard at first, but give it a go. I was shocked when I started doing this and I was like, wow, I used to think that it, you know, the words of God ever, only came every once in a while, but man, he is looking for people to talk to. God wants to talk to you, and he will talk back. So in Mozambique, our campus ministry has grown a lot. So we're not able to fit in many spaces on campuses when we all come together. I mean, we're on over like around 35 to 38 universities in our capital city. So when we want to have worship times, we usually have them in like outdoor uh, soccer stadiums and stuff, soccer fields, so that we can, uh, so we can fit everyone. So it's really cool. So uh, last year, we were having one of these outdoor worship times right in the middle of Maputo, our city. And it's a big city. It's about... 4 million people. So there were these apartment buildings all around the soccer field. So it was a really cool ambiance. We're on the field, filling it up with students. There's apartment buildings all around it. And when I got up to speak about a certain topic, I felt like Jesus, in the middle of my message, said, hey, stop. And he said it in that inner voice, that little uh, dialogue voice that I'd been trying to develop with Jesus. And I was preaching away like I'm doing now. In the back of my mind, he said, stop what you're doing and ask if anybody wants to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I said, all right, Jesus, I'll do it at the end, you know. And he said, no, 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 gently. He said, I want you to do it now. And I'd been practicing this enough to learn that what his voice was, so I did it. And so uh, I stopped, and, and, and I immediately invited people to accept Jesus. Later, I found out about a guy who was in his apartment when our worship afternoon started. He heard me speaking and was curious, so he opened his windows, on his, and he sat on his couch, and he began to listen. God began to stir his heart during my message. And when I asked if anybody wanted to accept Jesus, he knew it was for, for him. So you know what he did? He knelt down in his living room. He gave his life to Jesus right there. But what's cool is he didn't stop there. After he did that, he came downstairs to the soccer field where we were at. One of our uh, staff members was right at the gate. He met them. He was actually a college student. He joined our campus ministry and is one of our leaders today. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Jesus is so good. So good. But it's important to notice that it was the development of that inner dialogue with God that allowed me to be sensitive to his voice in that moment, you know? So start the conversation with Jesus. Please start it with Jesus. You will see so much more supernatural stuff in your life if you include that supernatural God in your thought life. Amen? All right, so we talked about removing distractions, turning your monologue into a dialogue. Now I want to talk about prayer and action. Say prayer and action. Ooh, this is my favorite. I love it. This is something that we do all the time. We do it at least once a week to allow us to grow in our accuracy in hearing the voice of God while we're practicing interacting with him. So our people in Mozambique, like I said, they do it all the time. And some of our wildest stories come from it. It's so fun. So all we do, it's really simple, is we go before the Lord in prayer and we ask him if there's anything that he wants us to do for that specific time. 
Sometimes we'll go into a specific market or a specific campus to practice this. If you come to Mozambique and visit us, we will do this all the time, and it's fun. So we spend time listening to the Lord, not ruling out any thoughts that He gives us. He'll speak to us. Always does. Sometimes in words, sometimes in images, sometimes in crazy, crazy images, ideas, whatever. So no matter what, we write it down, uh, we find it, we put it in our phone, whatever, and then, and then we go do what we think He's trying to say to us. Sometimes he leads us to talk to very specific people. Sometimes he just has us go and prayer walk over specific areas and interceding for specific things. So it's just an organized thing we do because we want to grow in hearing God's voice. And this is a way we can actually test it because if we think God said something, we go do it and it doesn't happen. We're like, oh, maybe we were off. Maybe he's trying to do something else. But a lot of times it's spot on and it's really cool. It helps us to be able to distinguish our thoughts from Jesus's. So I want to introduce you to two guys. Can we go to the last picture? of the two guys on the street. This is uh, Carlos and Celso. These are two of our longest uh, Mozambican campus missionaries. So what's cool about Mozambique is that God has done an incredible work and we have nine full-time uh, support-raised campus missionaries, just like you guys have on staff here from Mozambique. These two guys are the very first missionaries in the Assemblies of God in Mozambique, so it's really cool. We sent them to the second largest city of Mozambique, Beta, about a year and a half ago. And get this, they've been there for about a year and a half. They've already raised up 60 small group leaders on five different campuses. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, God's just doing incredible work through them. So this one is Carlos um, there on uh, the street. And a couple of weeks ago, Carlos was doing prayer in action with a small team. And while he was praying, he felt like God showed him a very specific man in specific clothing. It would be an older gentleman in a black and white striped shirt in a specific market. There's all lots of specifics, right? Uh, and he, go, he, he told him that I want you to go to this man and I want you to say this. He wants you to say that God has seen this man who's been searching for God for over 30 years, but he's been looking in all the wrong places. God showed him, God showed Carlos that this man, every time he reached out for God, felt like there was a brick wall between him and God. So Carlos is like, jackpot guy, prophetic message. This is going to be a winning combination, right? He's done this a couple of times. So he goes into the market, almost immediately finds this guy. Exactly what Jesus had shown him in his mind. He goes up to this guy and he's like, do what we taught him to do. Because have you ever met people that like don't really know how to give a prophetic word and they're really weird about it? Like, prepare yourself for the word of the Lord. My name is Apostle Matt. No. So, like, we try to be normal people when we hear from God and say things like, Hi, my name is Matt. What's your name? You know, like, oh, big shocker there. Um, so Carlos did that. So he introduced himself to this guy. I was like, hey, uh, my name's Carlos. What's yours? The guy told him his name. And Carlos said, what do you do? And the guy said, oh, yeah, I'm the main witchcraft supply dealer for the whole region. So Carlos was like, dang, this got real. Uh, you know, a bit of context is, is that uh, Mozambique, the main religion by far, it would be like witchcraft and ancestor worship. And so these guys who sell this stuff for it, they have massive power, and they're usually very aggressive against the gospel. We had some pretty intense encounters with them. So uh, Carlos was a little bit taken back at first, but bro, Carlos trusts Jesus. He knew that he had spoken to him. So he moved forward, and he shared uh, what Jesus had, had told him with the man. When Carlos shared the word God showed him, tears just welled up immediately in that man's eyes. How did you know that? How could you have possibly known that, he asked Carlos. Carlos told him that Jesus was there to reveal himself to that man, to reveal his love for him, that there was a way over that wall, and it was Jesus. And he's here to show him his love today. And Carlos prayed for that guy, and he experienced Jesus' love for the very first time in his life, the fruit of all those 30 years of searching. I love this story 
I love this story because Jesus didn't just use Carlos's yes to introduce Jesus to one man, but he uses Carlos's yes to destroy the work of the enemy in that entire region. Isn't that cool? Prayer in action. Please, please give this a shot. You know, you, you, a lot of y'all were out on campus today. It's not, it's not weird. It's not funny before. I mean, it's not hard to understand. Just before you go out, just ask Jesus, hey, here's a time. Who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to do? And give it a shot, you know? You know, Satan's never going to ask you to go pray for somebody. I'll just tell you that right now. That's a rule. That's not the enemy in your head telling you to love on that person. Amen? Okay. So the last idea I want to talk about today is lightning prayers. Say lightning prayers. How can you take advantage of traffic, lines, walking in busy areas? Lightning prayers. As you converse with Jesus throughout your day, talk to him about the people you pass, the people in cars next to you, the, people's in your, the people in your class. Ask Jesus to bless them. Ask Jesus for specific words for them. You don't have to go over there and pray for them. Just pray for them in your mind. Just be praying for everyone around you. Commit to pray for one day for every single person that you pass on campus, even very quick prayers. I mean, I know if you're on campus in a busy time, you can't be doing long prayers, just do really quick ones. That's why it's called lightning prayers. There we go, they're fast prayers. Lord knows that there's a lot of people that you pass, but see how this changes the atmosphere of rooms you're in. I've been doing this sometimes and I'll be praying for somebody, you know, 100 yards away or whatever. I don't, I'm not good with distances. They're over there far and, and their countenance will change and you can see that God is touching them and they have no idea What's going on? It's supernatural. It's incredible. So we do this in Mozambique a lot because, you know, in Africa, you got to wait in lots of lines to do everything. So instead of getting on my phone and playing whatever, uh, I will, you know, try to do this and be attentive to the people around me and say lightning prayers for them. So one of my friends, George, was on campus in May, and he was in a specific dorm talking to a guy about coming to his church. Well, in this specific dorm, uh, there's lots of guys that, uh, in dorms in Mozambique, there's, there's not just two people like you have sometimes here. There's going to be like seven or eight people per room. They stack them in. And while I was talking to this guy, there was another guy who was kind of in his bed, like all curled up, and he, he didn't look good. So George just said a lightning prayer for him. God bless him, whatever's going on, uh, help him. But after he said that lightning prayer, God just tugged on his heart and said, no, 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 that's not enough. Go up to him. So George went over to him, and he's like, hey, man, what's up? And the guy kind of sheepishly rolled over and was like, yeah. And George was like, hey, you want to come to church with me tomorrow? I was like, what? No, I'm sick. I have fever. I have all these symptoms. I think I might have malaria. I'm not going anywhere tomorrow. So George said, okay. I said, you know what? What if I make a deal with you? If I pray for you and you are completely healed, will you come to church with me tomorrow? And the guy, he didn't have a Christian background or whatever. So he's like, yeah, whatever. Nothing's going to happen. Mozambicans are very open for you to pray for him. So he allowed him to pray for him. George prayed for him. And guess what happened? Yeah, boy, that guy was completely healed. Went to church the next day. Got saved. And he's still there today. It's awesome. That's what, I want to, that's what I want my time on campus to be like, right? Making deals with people to experience the power of God. You know what I'm saying? Is God real? Is God real? He's real. So why do we act like we have to kind of make excuses for him? He's, we don't have to. He'll be there with us. So I, I butted you up for the craziest one. Y'all ready for the craziest one? This one comes from my wife, and she's real crazy. It's called, I didn't, we don't have a name for it, but I'll just call it Surrounded by the Presence. Say Surrounded by the Presence. All right, we're surrounded by the love of God at all times, right? His presence is always accessible to us. It's like we swim in an ocean of his goodness. It's so awesome. It's incredible. We always have connection to the vine. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that, right? 
It's an awesome way to refresh and reset your perspective on the world, to remind yourself that you're surrounded by the presence of God. So maybe you need to set a reminder on your phone, you know, if you struggle with negative thoughts or getting depressed during the day, just remind yourself, look, I'm surrounded by the presence of God. Take a moment, close your eyes and just feel it. Experience His presence. Let it flow through you, you know. Do whatever it takes so that you don't forget this so you can remember it. This is an incredible way to reset yourself during a stressful day. Just take a pause. You can do it 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, whatever. But this isn't just something you can do for you. This is something you can do for other people. Is God real? Is God real? Yeah, He's so real. One day my wife was on campus and she was talking to a guy. And this doesn't happen super often in Mozambique. They're not always so crazy oriented toward Western ideals and things like that. Um, but this guy was just like anybody at Sam Houston, talking trash and nonsense, diverting the conversation. And she knew the conversation wasn't going anywhere. Has any of you been there? You're trying to talk to somebody about Jesus and you're like, girl, there's a brick wall wall between this guy. And, and, and nothing's happening. So she said, you know what? Here's the deal. She knows that God is real. She's had real experiences with him. She said, here's it though. Do you want to experience God? Do you want God to touch your life today? And the guy was like, hey, yeah, that'd be awesome. She said, let's just stop talking. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and ask God to reveal himself to you. And we'll just see what happens. So Andrew's like, I'm not going to touch him. We're not going to do any voodoo, crazy, weirdy stuff. But I'm just going to pray and see what God does. So she said a very simple prayer. God, she wants you to reveal your love to this guy. And the guy goes, whoa, what did you do? He started freaking out. He's like, I just feel it. I feel something right here. What is that? It's a warmth. It's a love. I just feel like somebody's giving me a hug. What is that? And she was like, that's the love of God. She didn't have to touch him. She just prayed for him. And God opened the door because God loves that guy way more than we do. She was able to share the gospel with that guy. So when I heard that, I was like, bro, this is awesome. So you know what I did? I went to a market the very next day and I was like, who's going to get it? You know, I kind of felt like, I was like, God, if you did it for her, you can do it for me. Receive it. I was like, I was like, I got to see this. I've never done that. And so I went to the market and I found a guy. I started talking to him about Jesus. And the conversation wasn't going bad, but it just wasn't going anywhere. And so I was like, bro, I think God wants to reveal himself to you. Do you want to experience God? He was like, sure. So I was like, I did. what did Andrea do? Okay, I remember. So I was like, I'm not going to touch you. I'm just going to pray. And so I was like, hey, God, just reveal your love to my brother here. They can experience you. And he goes, he wasn't as animated, but he goes, he touched his chest again. It was wild. I was in a completely different part of the city. I didn't give any context for it. And he goes, I just feel this warmth and this love and this presence over me right now. What is that? It's like, that's Jesus. And he was like, that's incredible. I've never felt that before. Is God real? Does he want to reveal himself to people? Take some risks, man. You can, have, you can look a fool, but if you do this a hundred times and one person experiences the love of God, it is worth it. Amen? Isn't Jesus awesome? He's doing some incredible stuff around the world. Mozambique's being transformed. Sam's being transformed. And the beautiful, simple thing is that all we have to do is practice God's presence. We have to do the things that will help us stay awake to his reality and his presence. And his word promises that we will bear much fruit. You know, there's a million ways to stay awake to God's reality. And these are just a few ideas that have helped us consistently, uh, practices that we do consistently to change our habits and our thoughts and our love so they don't sabotage our relationship with Jesus. Don't let the world lull you to sleep. Don't let it lull you to sleep. Jesus is worth it. Let's do what it takes to reflect him. Amen? Imagine if just this room flooded Sam tomorrow, practicing the presence of God, opening themselves up and saying, God, I'm here. Use me. I'm paying attention. I'm going to walk in courage. How many testimonies 
of miracles, new believers, and your D group would swell up. Amen. Hallelujah. Receive it with people who are experiencing the true and real presence of God. Maybe we'd experience more on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So let's stand. I really feel like we need to respond because I feel like there's two responses in this. The first is that really the prerequisite to begin to practice the presence of God is we have to remove distractions. If you don't do that, you're going to start doing this. You're going to close your eyes and try to experience God for five minutes, and you're going to think about Donkey Kong or something. You know what I'm talking about? Your mind's just flooded with crazy stuff. It's not even got to be trash, just distractions. So I really want to spend just a short amount of time allowing the Lord to search our hearts to really pinpoint those specific things that we need to give up and sacrifice for Him because He is worth it. Amen? He's worth giving up any series of TV show to spend more time in prayer. He's worth giving up any relationship that we have to give up so that we can focus more on Him. Anything. And I believe that God's going to speak some very specific things to us. And then after we do that for a little bit, I just want to pray for you that, that as you begin to listen to the voice of God, that you would be, have the grace, receive the grace this week to hear it way more clearly than ever before. That it would be like your antennas of your spiritual ears are tuned into heaven and you're hearing more things than you ever have before. Is that all right? So she's going to start playing a little bit of worship and, and let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to reveal those things that, that we need to cut out of our lives. And, and then let's have the courage to, uh, to make some commitments before the Lord. Amen. So let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Hey, we thank you so much that your presence is available to us. You're so good, Jesus. You're so good, Jesus. We're not worthy of your presence, but you still lavish it upon us. I love you, Jesus. I love you. There's nothing better than your presence. We love you, Lord. God, we want to dig up a little bit of the rocks in our soil, the distractions that are keeping us from growing deep roots in you, Jesus. What are the things that are distracting us, God? Search our hearts. Search our hearts. Be ruthless, God. We'll do whatever it takes to have more of you. We'll do whatever it takes. Let that be your prayer today. Whatever it takes to have more of Jesus. I will do what it takes. I'm sick of status quo. I'm sick of not having the fullness of what you have for me. I'm not satisfied. I want more, Jesus. I want more. So what are some of the things in my life that I need to cut out? that so he's going to reveal things to you pretty quickly so just make commitments this week I'm cutting out this this week i'm limiting this this week i'm going to burn this I'm giving it away some of y'all need to give some stuff away lord speaking it to you whatever it is let's just respond in obedience he's worth it all god this week as we begin to continue to try to grow in hearing your voice God, I pray that you would just give us the grace to be able to tune in. Tune in more clearly than ever before to hear you. For those that have struggled to hear your voice, God, we should rebuke those obstacles and barriers in the name of Jesus as they set their intentionality on you, God. I just pray there'll be like a clear, smooth, easy highway of communication in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. People, some of y'all are going to experience breakthrough in this like you've never experienced before. You're going to be shocked. Some of you, I, I, just, I just feel it. Some of you are going to be shocked right now and this week with how clearly you hear the voice of God. It's going to be awesome. Thank you, Lord. Let it be. Let that be all of our experiences, that we experience new levels of clarity and intimacy in hearing your voice. Thank you, Jesus. 
So uh, let's sing this song, and as we're singing it, I just want to encourage you guys, respond. Commit to the Lord the things you need to cut out. Let's just ask the Lord that we want to hear his voice. We'll do what it takes.